0: Welcome to the Women in North American Aquaculture podcast, where we talk to influential women about their experiences in research, entrepreneurship, innovation, and mentorship in the aquaculture industry. My name is Marin Farag, and I'm the editor of Aquaculture North America. Our guest this episode is Michelle Franz, Manager of Communications, Partnerships, and Community at the BC Salmon Farmers Association. She is also the co-founder and co-director of the Young Salmon Farmers of BC. I want to go straight to the interview, so I'd like to thank our program sponsor, Merck Animal Health. Together, we can ensure welfare and sustainability for aquatic species. Now, please enjoy the Women in North American Aquaculture podcast with Michelle Franz. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Women in North American Aquaculture podcast. Michelle thank you very much for joining me today on today's podcast.
1: Thanks for having me I'm excited.
0: Before we dive into our topic why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and expertise.
1: Yes so my background um, I think is a little different to most when it comes to the role I'm currently in. Um, So I'm I mean, if you want to go all the way back, I'm from London, Ontario, originally, Um, I did my undergraduate degree at Dalhousie University. So I lived in Halifax for about four years, um, where I got my marine biology degree. And then shortly after graduation, uh, I received an opportunity to um, move to Prince Rupert and work for a scallop production company there in the hatchery. Um, So I was brought on as an intern biologist, and then um, ended up just kind of you know, really loving it and, and taking on more of initiative of, in my role. Um, and then with that, I ended up kind of moving into the hatchery larval supervisor and, uh, and did that for about a year and a half lived in Prince Rupert, which was, um, interesting for me because I'm not I've for me it was my first experience really living in a rural community um so I'm from you know London has about 400,000 people so it's quite large and then I moved to Prince Rupert which is about 12,000 people um and so it's it was quite of a for me a little bit of a culture shock because I wasn't used to living in such a small community and and rural community and just not having all these you know accessible stores and, and all this kind of stuff to me. So um it was really interesting for me and and really living in a, a First Nations uh community as well. That was very different for me. So um it it was great for me because I learned a lot. Um, I understood the need uh you know in, in rural communities and and the importance of certain types of sectors. And so I really just became passionate about that and um, food production which is never something I thought I would get into um, and then so when the opportunity came from BC Salmon Farmers to be communications manager uh, I was reading the job description I remember thinking this is exactly what I want to do like this is perfect and I've been with BC SFA ever since so I've been here for about four and a half years. That's
0: great actually my second question was about to be what brought you to aquaculture but I think you kind of answered that. But like when you were studying biology did you, were you thinking about aquaculture or was it something that came later?
1: No, I actually when I was doing um, my marine biology degree, my primary aspiration was to work in conservation. So I was very much wanting to live somewhere like live somewhere abroad, work with marine mammals, do conservation work. I was always really into volunteering and and even in my like high school days I was very much part of all these social justice campaigns I wanted to make a difference in the world so I very much wanted to go into the conservation side of things and when I got the opportunity for Prince Rupert I didn't really actually have an interest in well I didn't at all have an interest working in aquaculture and when um, the opportunity came up I felt a little weird about it because I actually didn't have a positive image of aquaculture first of all, aquaculture was very new for me. Um, But when I did my undergraduate degree, I took an aquaculture course as part of my degree. And you learn a lot about of the old practices that just aren't they're not practices used today, but they're also not the best practices and they're not very environmentally friendly. They're not very good for um, animal welfare. And so I was a little conflicted at first because I didn't have this good view of it and I wasn't sure, but ultimately I decided to give it a chance, especially just because I think for a lot of new grads, it's, it's, it is difficult to find work and experience.
0: I just love it when you say uh, I've never heard the word salmon farming in my life or fish farming in general, because that's the case for a lot of people who entered aquaculture. It's not like they were raised around fish, farm, fish farms or anything like that. They just knew about it like coincidentally. And that, it was the same thing for me. Uh, but I have to ask you a question. Were you guilty of buying white salmon uh, at the supermarket, for example, before you knew about uh, aquaculture or not?
1: <laughs> you know what's funny, i didn't eat seafood before i worked in oh no yeah really? i yeah i i my family just wasn't big seafood eaters we ate a lot of like ter- like terrestrial type meat um it was a lot of pasta i'm italian so we have a lot okay. of carbs Um, so I, yeah, we just weren't big seafood people. Um, so I didn't eat a lot of seafood growing up and I don't remember even really ever eating salmon. Like I just don't recall ever eating salmon. And so I didn't really start trying to dip my toes into eating seafood, honestly, until I started working in the sector. And then through my job at coastal shellfish, because we were raising scallops, I got the opportunity to, you know, take home scallops and, and eat scallops my fiance grew up in BC. So he loves seafood and it's, he loves eating it. So he started like, I, cause I, I was always very picky eater growing up. So, um, with him, he was kind of like, just try it. Like, you don't even know if you're going to like it, just give it a try. If you don't like it, then you don't have to eat it kind of thing. And, um, <laughs> so I started being a little bit more adventurous with my food. And now, honestly, I love seafood. It's crazy. Like the complete shift and yeah, I, 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 and honest to God, I love, I prefer the taste of farm salmon just because I didn't grow up eating seafood. And so for me, farm salmon is less of that like fishy taste that yeah. wh- be hesitant to eat seafood so I genuinely just prefer the taste of farm salmon so that's like I buy it because of that reason and of course I want to support a very sustainable sector and I feel good about it when I buy it and I eat it
0: I just love the transition there yeah gives you hope <laughs> for people who aren't familiar with uh, oh. BC Salmon Farmers Association uh, can you give us like an overview of it and the role of and the role it plays in the salmon farming industry?
1: Yes. So BCSFA, we're an association. So we have several members. So we have the producing members. So we have all of the major companies like Moe Canada West, Cermat Canada, Greek Seafood, Creative Salmon. We have Golden Eagle Sablefish. So we have many producers. And it's not just salmon. Like I said, we have sablefish. Uh, Creative Salmon does Pacific Chinook salmon, so they don't do Atlantic salmon. So we have different species, which is really good too. And it's really interesting to see the, the different stuff happening with those different species. And also we have a lot of the supplier and service companies as well. So all of the smaller companies that provide support to the producers and to the farms and to the hatcheries and to the processing plants, they're part of our membership as well. Um, so it's it's really great because we're able to connect with the complete supply chain of the sector. And so we're able to um, get a, a kind of a whole view of, of what it looks like and what are the needs of each of these aspects of the supply chain. Um, and so what we do as the association is we represent the sector as a whole So when it comes to meeting with government or talking to media and reporters or just the general public um, we're kind of like the go-to organization for people because when you think of salmon farming you most people just think of it as an industry or a sector not necessarily as the individual companies especially because a lot of people don't know a lot about salmon farming. And so it's just easier to go to one body to ask questions when you have them or when you want information or when when you want representation, sorry. Um, That's where we're kind of like the go-to people for that. Uh, we also, before COVID, we were doing a lot of tours. So we would have tours of um, post-secondary students or high school students. Uh, we also had just the general public, anyone who was interested in coming out to a farm, we would host those as well. We still do farm tours. Uh, we don't do so much public tours anymore just because the farms and the Discovery Islands were removed. And so those were the main farms to tour because they were easier to get to because you would just leave out of Campbell river, which is, um, a better destination for people because now the farms are they're either out of Tofino or they're out of Gold River or they're out of Port Hardy which are much more remote communities so it's a lot harder for people to travel to but mm-hmm. anyone that's interested in, in touring a farm we, we still get requests by different groups and we still try to accommodate as best that we can as long as they're okay with with making that travel uh, so that's that's always been a very important aspect for us as well and and just being present in the community you know attending events and and conferences and just um, you know, showing the the there's a lot, a lot of really good people in this sector as, as well. So we're ju- we're just kind of like that overarching body that really represents the whole sector.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the Discovery Islands, of course, it's no secret that the industry is facing some severe challenges right now, uh, especially British Columbia, as you said, what are some steps that the association is taking to address those challenges?
1: right now it's been really focused on the transition process so i would say that's that's our biggest challenge um is that transition commitment it's been um it's been a challenge because the industry has been transitioning for a long time and we've always you know been really innovative and and put a lot of money into advancing technology and and further minimizing any impact we may have on the environment. And we do a lot of proactive studies and and the companies are really good at working with uh, independent certification companies as well to get certified just to further show and their commitment to sustainability. So there's a lot that we do Already, And that we have been doing to show that we are very innovative and we have been transitioning. And so for the government to make this commitment and not give the goals of, you know, what they're looking for, what does transition look like? What are we transitioning to? These are all questions that we've been asking and there's no clarity on that. And so this transition process, I would say, has been just quite confusing for, for us altogether yeah. because it's not clear on what this commitment is this commitment was made and and they i don't even think the government knows what they want in terms of transition either and so it's been there's been a lot of delays there's been a lot of movement there's been a lot of changes and the communication hasn't been great we know even Now we're seeing in the media people reporting on the fact that DFO's delaying or extending the transition process plan and we have yet to receive any correspondence from DFO letting us know there's been an extension, Um, but they're talking to media and we're getting emails from reporters saying, you know, I got a response from the minister and she's confirmed this delay, you know, what's your response? And it's like, well we never received this information. So you know until we get that, we can't really respond because we don't, we don't know, right. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't get this information. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening where, you know, we, we genuinely are committed to this transition process and we want to work with the government. We want to work for, with first nations whose territories we operate in to make sure that this transition is something that we, all feel good about moving forward, you know, and it's something that works for the nations in their territory. And it's a transition that the sector can commit to and put money into, to to innovate and put money into further investment um, for the technology, because if there's no, if we don't get that certainty, it's you can't get investment when there's no business certainty. And so it's hard to innovate when that happens, because right now everything's just at a halt, right? Because, We don't know if we have a secure future. We don't know if we're going to be able to operate moving forward because there's been no clear communication that they're they're committed to working with us with that and giving us enough time to develop the type of technology that they want us to move to, Um, because you do have to allow for trial and error, you have to allow for the technology to be developed. There's all these aspects that you have to allow for in order to be successful because ultimately you want it to be better than what's currently being used. And right now it's ocean pens are the most sustainable way of producing salmon. And so if you're gonna try to push it to a different type of production method, it needs to be more sustainable than it is now. So you don't wanna just be pushing a certain type of technology without being able to prove that it's better for the environment, it's better for the ocean, it's better for wild salmon. It wouldn't make sense to do that. Um, So you wanna make sure that while you're transitioning, you're transitioning to something better and you need to allow for time for that to happen and you need to allow for the proper research to go into that to make sure that that is the better way forward. Um, So it just feels like this process has been quite rushed because they're setting these, you know, deadlines of 2023 and it, when, you know, that might not be what you might need more time for that to, to work out where you are developing a proper transition plan, a responsible transition plan. And right now it just kind of feels like these deadlines are being thrown out without consulting first nations, without, consulting industry without uh, consulting the people who are experts in this space
0: you were saying that bcsfa is on tiktok now Yes. Um, are you are you seeing some positive engagements people who didn't know about salmon farming or had any misconceptions
1: i would say um, instagram we're seeing a little bit more positivity uh, tiktok it's not it's TikTok's been slower for us to, in a platform to grow. And I think it's just because we're such a niche topic. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to kind of gravitate and, and, you know, build that audience on the for you page because you really have to would be interested in like fish or um so very, very niche, very like farming and that kind of stuff. And i know like my personal algorithms not really on that so trying to think of ways of how i can com- or how we can communicate in these videos that helps get those videos on the for you page that people will will see it and they'll want to stop and listen to it and it, and it interests them um, so focusing more on being educational being positive Um, more of like fun fact kind of thing Um, again just because most people don't know salmon farming exists and so I think for me anyways when I got into the sector I thought it was so cool when I was learning about it because there's all these like the technology advancements that have happened it's so automated it's really interesting all of the um studies that we're doing internally in terms of sampling and and you know really trying to see what our impact is it's so fascinating and all the data that we've collected it's I just find it so interesting and and the fact that the sector is mostly made up of young people um is really, it's been great because for me, it's it's this community of people that I connect with who are my peers, who are doing really cool work and they're innovating and um, it's salmon farming, but it's also, I would say a tech sector as well in a way, just because it's so automated and the, the investment that goes into developing new technology is really cool. Um, And so I think it's fascinating. And so I hope other people might find that fascinating. And so creating these videos where we can showcase that and explain it and have somebody who kind of gets that um, communicate it. Um, We just hope that it resonates and we're, we're seeing some pretty good engagement. Um, Of course, my goal is to always kind of increase that and, you know, wanting to get more people to see it and, and engage with it and share it. Um, but it's, it is really cool when you see somebody who doesn't follow salmon farming, or I, I know isn't part of the sector comment and say, you know, this is really cool. Like I love this and, or I love seafood or, or that kind of stuff. And, um, especially people, young people who are passionate about the environment and, and climate, um, climate action. Um, when you see them comment saying that you know, they see that this could be part of that solution, it's, it's meaningful and it means a lot. And it's, it's exciting because it means that people are resonating with it. So we want to do more of that.
0: I think you already are trying to do more of that. Can you tell us a little bit about the Young Salmon Farmers of BC?
1: Uh, So the Young Salmon Farmers of BC, we are a group of young people who are under 35 who work in the salmon farming sector and some people work for the producer companies some people work for some of the suppliers uh, so it's a good group of people and it's just young people who really are passionate about what they do and they want to make a positive change they just want to do more and they really want to be active in the sector and they see themselves building a career here uh, so these are the types of people who are in the group and they're amazing people Um, we as you have said that you attended, we had a panel at the AAC where you got to meet some of these young professionals, um, and you just kind of saw how passionate they were. You can see when you talk with them or when you see their videos online, how you know excited they are to do what they do. They love what they do, and they want to share that. Um, so... It's a great group of people. This is the first year that we actually have funding. So we pitched to BC Salmon Farmers Association. So I have kind of like two hats. (laughs) So I'm like young professionals and then also communications for BCSFA. But we as a group created this proposal to BCSFA to receive some funding so that we could do more, right? Cause we want to attend these conferences. We want to, we adopted a, a beach site. So we have at Saratoga beach, just out of Campo river, we've adopted part of the beach so that we keep that clean. So just like be, to be able to purchase supplies for that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we just really want to do and be active in. And of course, you know, some of the stuff involves needing to have some money. And, and for a while we were just kind of, you know, sp- using it, like spending out of our own pocket and nobody had an issue with that, but we were like, you know, why not see if we can get some funding and then we can do more stuff and we can do bigger things. Um, and hopefully we can reach a, a much bigger audience that way. It's been great. So I think this year, because we've been able to be more active through this, everyone's been much more motivated and much more excited and, and they feel good about it. So uh, it's just really encouraged everyone even more to just keep going. And we're actually getting a lot of interest from other people. Um, actually, just t- this morning, I got a message from a young person who works on a fish farm in Ontario. He's a trout farmer. And he, and he said that he saw he was seeing our posts and he Um, We had these shirts that we were giving away at a barbecue that we hosted in the community. And it says, I heart, and then it has a picture of all the different types of farming. So it had a picture of a, a salmon, of course, and it has a picture of a chicken and a cow and a pig. Um, but the salmon's obviously a different color because we really, really wanted to highlight that we, you know, we're salmon farmers and we love salmon farming, but we also, you know, we're, we're farmers and we love farmers. Uh, and he saw that and he reached out because he's like, I really want one of these shirts. Like, how do I get one? Oh.
0: <laughs> um,
1: so it was, it's cool because people are, you know, it's making people proud to do what they do. and. Um, young people are really passionate who work in this sector and, and for them to feel pride rather than shame, which I think is what the feeling was before, because if you tell people what you do sometimes, especially in salmon farming, the reaction's not always positive. And so now to be in this environment where you have young people feeling like they're proud and they're saying it publicly and they're proud to do that uh, is a really good feeling and it's what you want, right? Like you want people to feel good about what they do and you want them to be passionate about it.
0: What specifically motivated you to co-find, uh, young salmon farmers of BC?
1: It's kind of a weird story. Um, but I remember, so we had our former executive director, John Paul Frazier, it was more of just you know through the work that we were doing, and I because I'm a young person myself, a lot of the people that I work with day to day are older than me, and so the people who are usually my age and my demographic are actually the people who are in the hatcheries, they're on the farm, they're doing environmental monitoring, they're certification officers, uh, and so through talking with those individuals and getting to know them because those are kind of more of my my peers. I kind of realized, like, I'm not the only person here who really wants to communicate about salmon farming and who wants to talk about it and who wants to share it and who wants to be active out in the community, who wants to be at events. Like, all of these people want to do that on top of their job. Like, they want to just be doing whatever they can to help. Um, and so I remember going to John and I was like, you know, do you think there's a way that we can kind of get these young people activated? And at the time, it was... I think it was close to the Discovery Islands, the initial decision, and and the morale was not great. And we had some young people who came forward who wanted to kind of vocalize how they felt about it and and the impact that this has on them, because a lot of them were young people who were wanting to build a career in this. Uh, Some people had just started to have kids. Some people had just bought a house. um, And so to have this, you know, really big uncertain future was... You know it's it's scary and it's not okay because there's nothing wrong with salmon farming, right? Like if you look at all of the studies, even the government's own science, you know, has stated salmon farms don't pose more than a minimal risk. Um, The nations whose territories we operate in, they have agreements, so there's there's not really any specific reason why the farms should have been closed, and so it puts a lot of mental strain on people and, and the, you know, mental health was not great. Mm -hmm. And so there was some young people who just came forward and said, no, what can I do? I want to do something. Um, And so some people were, you know, they talked to reporters, they, you know, talked about this impact that they had on them. Some people posted a post on Facebook or social media, just kind of, you know, sharing their story. Um, And it really resonated, I think with a lot of people, And around the same time, Kaya had developed a young professionals group. So that's the Federal Association for Aquaculture. And uh, there was two individuals who worked in salmon farming in BC, but they were in that group. And around the same time, they also approached John with the idea of developing a very similar group in BC for salmon farmers. And so John thought, well, why don't you guys all talk because you all kind of have the same idea and, you know, come up with something. Uh, so it was three of us. So it was me, myself, uh, uh an individual named Kenny Leslie and then Brad Rempel. Uh, so we kind of developed uh, a plan. And then what I did is I took that plan and I pitched it to our board of directors and it was kind of like, look, like, I think this could work. You have a lot of employees who want to do more. They love what they do. And I think we need to support them um, and let them do this. And we, 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 you know, came up with this whole plan of what we wanted to achieve, what we wanted to do. And the board just was so supportive. They were like, yes, go for it. (laughs) Um, And so for a couple of years um, we were, again, we didn't have any funding. So we just kind of did what we could in terms of like what was free, what we could attend. Um, We had participated in the United Nations Young Professionals Global Conference that they had. It was virtual and it was this 24-hour live stream um, that they did where they made their way across the globe. And so we had our own session at that where we got to talk about salmon farming, um, which again was really well-received and that was really nice.
0: I also remember when I attended the panel at... Uh, AAC last month. Uh, not everyone was working in the salmon farming sector specifically. Uh, Some were in shellfish. Like it's not only targeted at salmon farming; it can be anything aquaculture related.
1: Everyone in the group right now does work in salmon farming, but they all have different backgrounds. So, um, a lot of people who were talking at the panel they started out in shellfish, or they have experience um, right. doing their like thesis in shellfish. Um, I, my background initially was shellfish. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting because you just kind of see this transition, but oh,
0: but they ended up in salmon farming.
1: Yes. They ended up in salmon farming. Um, wow. The group start was focused on salmon farming just because it's, it's usually what takes up a lot of the conversation. Um, sure. But we are definitely now at a point where we would love it if any any young person involved in aquaculture wants to join we're more than happy to have them so um yeah it's it's we're a very welcoming group um it's not intimidating at all it's very much you know if anyone wants to get involved we have we just you know share it with the group like hey this person wants to join the group this is who they are. And everyone's usually very much like, yes, absolutely. Would love to have this person, you know, cause everyone just brings something so different to the table and a different perspective. Um, and it's, it's really nice because it also allows us so that if somebody has a question that isn't in their specific field, they can, it's very easy now that they can just contact the person that they know specializes in that and just ask them the question directly. And then they have the answer. Um, so it's great in terms of just for everyone to be able to share their expertise it helps everyone build their confidence in their job but also when they're talking about the sector because you know they feel confident to ask those questions to their peer because they have now their contact information they know exactly who to go to to ask the question and then they have that information for themselves
0: that is great let's get to know you a little better michelle so, what does your day today look like as the man- manager of communications at UCSFA?
1: It's different all the time, to be honest. Um, and that's you something mentioned that, that I you really- work from home, right? Yes, I do. All right. Yeah. um so it is different day to day depending on what we're working on i would say my job's a little bit more project based so um depending on what's happening with the sector that's usually what we'll kind of focus our communications on um there is a few things that are more regular so like i said the social media stuff so because we're starting this new um direction we are like the ideas that we're regularly posting. and um, that's something that I really want to do and take on. So that's part of like the day to day is just getting that content built up, you know, releasing those posts, sharing them. um but then also, you know a lot of like what a what a traditional comms person would do. So um news releases, media uh, building all that kind of stuff, but I would say it's a little bit different in the sense that it's very much based on what's happening. so like I said, right now it's very focused on transition. So a lot of the other things that I'm doing is very much focused on the transition work. And then before that, you know, it was Discovery Islands, it was the licenses because they were up for renewal. Um, so it's just usually been very much focused on, okay, what's the priority right now and what do we need to focus on? So it it's different in that aspect as well. And and I like that because it makes my day interesting every day is always different every month's always very different um and it's it just keeps me challenged and it keeps me motivated and it just keeps me engaged which I like
0: and how hands-on do you get to be do you get to visit uh any farms often
1: Yeah. so I haven't I will admit I haven't visited a farm in about a year just because of COVID so like the protocols were They had changed so that you weren't really allowed at one point to just kind of go onto a farm because of COVID. So, and that was with every business, like everyone had very strict protocols. Um, Now it's much different. So things are opening back up. So we're able to kind of get onto a farm much easier now, which is good. But before COVID, I was on farms all of the time because I did the tours. So I did the public tours and the school tours. So, um, I was on farms throughout the summer months, all of the time, and I absolutely loved it. (laughs) It was like a great day when it was a tour day. And we also had, um, I did some hatchery tours as well. So I've, I've visited many of the hatcheries. Um, I've been to Port Hardy several times and I've toured their processing plant several times, Um, I've been to Gold River and I've visited their hatchery, um, and, uh, Grieg actually has their RAS 34 system. So, um, the idea for that is to be a little bit more of a hybrid system. So they're, they're planning on growing the salmon a little bit larger than what they normally would do so that they can keep them on land a little bit longer. And then, then they'll put them to sea, um, a little bit later than they normally would. Uh, So I got to tour that facility and that's an incredibly, incredible facility. It's really cool. Um, I've been to to Tofino and I visited Creative Salmon. So they have, like I said, Pacific Chinooks. So they have a little bit of a different operation, but I've, I've been able to tour their farms. Um, But yeah, I've, I've been pretty much to every community, except for Clem 2. I really want to go to Clem 2. Um, it's very remote, so it's very, mm-hmm. very challenging to get to, but that's one place that I really want to go to because I've heard such amazing things of, of that community and, and that place. So that's one I, I really need to get to go to still. But other than that, I think I've been to almost every community and, and most of the farms.
0: That is very cool. The reason yeah. why I ask you this question is so that uh, young people who are looking to advance career in aquaculture can know like what different types of jobs in aquaculture can look like. Um, And I also remember you saying like at AAC, you were saying that visiting a fish farm is a life-changing experience. Like if you're in aquaculture, but you still haven't visited a farm yet, it's like you'll have a totally different view after you do. It's very beautiful and it's very interesting to see how to see everything hands on in real life. I still haven't, haven't visited one myself, so I'm still yet to do that.
1: I'm going to get you on one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I need to very soon. Yeah, um, I'm very excited. Like you got me excited when you said how beautiful it was. So That's
1: good. Yeah, I promise. I promise once we finally get you on a farm, you will be so happy. <laughs> it's, it'll just make you smile. It's yeah, amazing.
0: I am sure of that. Uh, do you have mentors that you look to for guidance or advice?
1: Yes. Um, And I believe, honestly, I think everyone should. It's so necessary. There's so many people who just have, you know, expertise that you can pull from or advice that you can gather. And, um, I, I have a lot of people that I look up to that I, you know, respect immensely. And I, I love getting their feedback all the time. Um, one being my executive director, Brian Kingsit. he was also my boss in Prince Rupert weirdly enough. Um, and so he's always been someone that I can definitely go to and, and he- He's always willing to help. He's always willing to look at any, any work that I do and and give me feedback. He is never too busy for me. And I really appreciate that. Um, And there's also Ian Roberts, who I'm not sure if you know, but he's the communications director for uh, MOE. He's been incredible. Um, and he's somebody that's been in the sector for such a long time, um, and he's a fighter, and he's so inspirational. Um, but then there's so many women too that I work with, like on a day-to-day basis, and and a lot of the senior management team is women, and they're just people that I respect immensely, and I would love, you know, I love you know hearing them when they're talking about salmon farming. I love going to them for questions and. Um, they're just people that I think of very highly of. Um, and then also just, I have, you know, a very strong support system personally as well. I don't think it's just professionally, right? Like I have, you know, my family, I have, um, you know, a very strong support system there. I'm, I was raised by very strong women. And so, um I yeah I've I have a lot of people that I can definitely confide in I have a lot of people that have helped guide me to where I am today and so um yes I do think I have quite a few mentors and I think um it's very important to have that in especially early on in your career all
0: right some last fire questions for you what is the best advice you ever received
1: Oh, actually the best advice I've ever received was from Brian, my, my current executive director. Um, and it was when we were in Prince Rupert, uh, he said to me, if you never ask for anything, you will never get it. And it's something that I didn't, for some reason, I never thought of until he said it, because I was always in the mind space, you know, that you'll just be offered things, you know, and it's. Mm -hmm that's just not how life works you know if if you really want something go get it go ask for it and um it's something that i've tried to even fight to- for
0: it not just ask for it <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah yeah fight for it you know if it's something you really want show people that this is worth their time and Um, it's, it's something I've used ever since. It's something that I think about every time I'm second guessing myself. I'm like, no, like, let's just do it (laughs) because I'm, I think this is the right move. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that just, it was casually said to me and it stuck with me. So I, yeah, it's something that I use all the time.
0: Uh, next question is what advice would you give to your younger self? I can skip this question because you're still young. Uh, but if, if there's something that you can think of that you would have changed when you were younger or like you would have approached
1: differently. Yeah. I don't think I would have ever done anything differently, but I think when you're, I mean, I'm still young, like you said, but when I was even younger, um, I think for me, there was a lot, I had a lot of insecurities and I think I always just thought other people knew things better than I did. And other people you know were smarter than me or better than me. And, and I think what I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older is that, you know, as long as you're willing to work hard and, and put in the effort and, and be passionate about something, um, you know, everybody starts somewhere and most people don't know what they're doing, especially when they're starting out. And so it's the people that take the initiative to learn about it and to, you know, be proactive that, you know, ultimately do really well. And, um, I think it's just, you know, reiterating the fact that don't don't, there's no need to feel insecure because everyone feels that way. And so just to be confident in who you are and and just go for it.
0: And last but not least, what's your favorite fish pun or joke?
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't have a favorite fish pun or joke, but I do have a quote that I read in high school that I've always really loved. And it does include a fish in it. So I feel like it might be relatable. Um, But the quote is, and this is the thing, I think, so I actually checked before because I was like, I want to make sure I can quote who said this, um, because I thought it was Albert Einstein, but that felt really weird. But I Googled (laughs) to make sure. um, And apparently there's some debate whether or not Albert Einstein had said this quote, but the quote is, everyone is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid because everyone has their own different skill set. Everyone has something that they bring to the table. And there's there's so many different types of intelligence out there that I think a lot of us just get stuck into what's what's traditionally seen as smart or, you know good or successful and there's so many different versions of that and just be you know find what you're good at and go with it
0: all right it's not a pun or a joke but I'll I'll take it thank but, you uh, you're gonna have to think of a pun or a joke and email I it know. To
1: me. <laughs> well, I'm not good at that stuff I feel like I'm like yeah I gotta I gotta be better at the jokes I'm not good at the dad jokes
0: <laughs> that's all right I actually had another question for you that I for- forgot to ask because you were saying you transitioned uh, into eating seafood now, so you're a seafood girl now. What's your yes. favorite uh, type of fish?
1: Honestly, I mean, I do really enjoy salmon. Um, I'm also a big shrimp. I like shrimp a lot. Um, yes,
0: me too. Oh my god, shrimp yeah. is my favorite for sure. I
1: love shrimp. Sable fish is unbelievably delicious. Okay. Uh, I- so good i highly recommend it um but yeah i will say atlantic salmon is is my top three because it's probably my number one actually because it's like i said it doesn't have that strong fishy flavor that i'm i'm hesitant on um and it's just it's really good it just tastes <laughs> stays tastes really good so yeah okay
0: i bet you also like shrimp because if you're a pasta person shrimp goes well with pasta perfect combination
1: a lot of things pasta I love shrimp tacos big fan of those (laughs) yeah stir fries everything I'm hungry now I know
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you very much Michelle for uh, sitting with me on this podcast today I learned a lot from you just listening to what you had to say about the industry uh what you do on your day-to-day job um I'm I myself I'm new in aquaculture and I'm asking you these questions and I'm generally looking for an answer that I can learn from. And um, I just love how passionate you are about the aquaculture industry. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you having me.
0: Another episode in the books. As always, our show notes with links, photos, and more extras can be found on our website, aquaculturenorthamerica.com slash women. I want to quickly mention our virtual summit, which will be taking place on September 7th of this year. The Women in North American Aquaculture Summit, or WINAS, is free and open to everyone. We have a great schedule planned for the day, so register now on our website and stay up to date as we start to announce our speakers soon. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to see you soon!